0: We're so glad to have you joining us for Church Online today. And we just want to invite you this morning, uh, just as we start, uh, check out the notes column on the side. We've got some great resources for you. If you are new with us this morning, we would love to keep in touch with you. And there's a link in the notes column. Um, You can click on that. You can put your information in. And we'll actually make a donation on your behalf to a community organization, uh, because we believe in generosity and we want to do that as a gift uh, to you in your name just as a welcome to Community Gospel Chapel why don't we start by praying together today Jesus we just give you thanks and praise this morning we thank you for your resurrection power for your life We thank you for this beautiful day. And we just turn our attention to you, Holy Spirit. We just welcome you in the room right now. Come and meet with us, encounter us. Pray for encouragement and refreshing for each person as they join today. Wherever they're joining from. We thank you that you're going to meet with them, that you're going to encounter them with your presence today. Jesus, we just declare that you are holy and you are good. We declare your faithfulness this this day. Thank you, Jesus. I just get the sense this today that uh, some of you have been wrestling with discouragement and just feeling overwhelmed. But I want to speak especially to those of you who are feeling discouraged this morning. Because I believe that right now, uh, the Holy Spirit wants to meet with you, He wants to encounter you, and He wants to just take away uh, that discouragement, He wants to replace it with joy. Uh, because it's, it says in the Bible that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And uh, if the enemy can get us to partner with discouragement, he can, just, he can draw us away from all that, he, that, that God wants to do in our lives during this time. So I just want to pray for you as we start this morning. Jesus, I pray for every person right now who's feeling discouraged and overwhelmed. And Jesus, I thank you that you are the God of the breakthrough. That you're going to break into their situation. You're going to break into their homes right now. With your love and with your grace. And just overwhelm them with your joy. Thank you that today is a good day. And Jesus, we just receive your joy today. In the face of discouragement, we choose to partner with joy. In Jesus' name, Amen. So this morning we're going to be launching into Episode 3 of our Resurrection series. and uh, I've been thinking a lot about what does resurrection life mean for you today? How does it affect your life today? And I want to start off with this question. Why is it that we are so keen to preach on a video that we've seen uh, the latest TED Talk the latest diet trend that we're trying the newest gadget we bought, our work our families. Why is it that we are so keen to preach on those things, to, to, to put them on display in our lives? Uh, maybe it's the latest conspiracy um, or maybe it's how much you hate uh, Trump or how much you like or dislike a certain political group. How come? Why is it that, that we will preach on those things but we won't preach on Jesus? Why is it that our social media feeds are full of pol- politics and funny videos and uh, something that, that we say we believe in but we have a hard time Talking about Jesus. We have a hard time inviting people to know Jesus. Is it that those things are more believable or those things are more real in our lives than Jesus is? Or is it that we haven't had a real, genuine, transformative encounter? Or maybe it's that we just don't feel equipped. We don't feel like we have the tools that we need in order to share. I want to ask you this morning, what if, what if this moment that we're in right now is actually a catalyst for the greatest awakening that we've ever seen in history? What if this moment is a turning point for our nation, for our our lives, for our families, for all the things that we've been praying for for so many years? What if it's this moment right now that we're living in? But see, it's not just going to happen. It's going to take us waking up first. It's going to take us being transformed first. And I believe, I so believe that we need to take this time and we need to use this time to wake up, to be awakened, to be transformed. Not to let this time pass us by, not to waste it, not to just hold our breath until it's over. Maybe this week you've been going through Netflix and and maybe you've run out of things to watch. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I would love to serve, but I don't know where, I don't know how, there seems to be so many needs. And I I believe this, I believe some of us are looking at this time, maybe some of you are looking at this time as a holiday. As a time where you don't have to go to work, uh, you, you get to spend more time with your families, which is awesome. I want to let you know this morning, it's not a holiday. It's a boot camp for mission. Right now, this time, it's not a holiday from church, it's a time for the church to awaken and actually be the church. In Acts, it talks about um, the early believers meeting from house to house, that they actually gathered in houses. They didn't have a, a central church building, but the church was house churches. And I believe that it is time right now for the church to awaken. That God is using this time to reveal things in us, to reveal things in our lives, to reveal areas where, where, um, you know, here's the thing: is is when you start putting pressure on something that we've held to be foundational, it starts to reveal the cracks in the foundation starts to reveal the weak points and I believe that Jesus wants to address those during this time so that as a church when we come out on the other side of this we're actually empowered we're actually moving we're actually engaged in Acts chapter 8 uh, verse 4 this is just after the stoning of Stephen and you might say well what does this have to do with the resurrection and, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, but Acts chapter 8, verse 4, uh, Stephen has just been stoned and the persecution under Saul has gotten higher and higher. Um, the, The believers are scattered throughout Israel. This is what it says. It says, although the believers were scattered by persecution, they preached the wonderful news of the word of God wherever they went. Did you catch that? What did they do? They preached the word of God wherever they went. They didn't just preach it on Sundays. They didn't just preach it when they had a a building to meet in. But they preached it wherever they went. And this is what I want to get at today. Scattered seeds bring a greater harvest. You don't get a large harvest by planting all your seeds close together in the same spot. In fact, if you know anything about gardening, which I'm not uh, much of a gardener, but I... I did do some reading, and uh, they say, if you plant your seeds too close together, they will actually choke each other out. They'll they'll compete for the same resources, for the same soil, uh, nutrients, they'll compete for the same sunlight. And what will happen is one plant will grow really big, but it will overshadow all the other ones. And all the other plants will actually wither and die because they're not getting the nutrients that they need. Now this isn't to say that, that we as believers are meant to be separate. Uh, from each other. We're actually meant to to work together to tie into each other. Uh, in fact, there's a, a story I heard of the, the Redwoods in California. And it talked about how uh, the reason they're so strong is that they actually interweave their root system. And so when a storm comes, they can actually hold each other together. They can keep each other standing. And I believe that there's power in that as a church. But I also believe that as we are scattered we're scattered to see a greater harvest. We're not scattered to to quarantine and, and stay to ourselves. We're actually scattered so that we will see an even greater harvest. And I think one of the things that happens often is we gather together on a Sunday morning in a church building. And we get into that routine. But then we start actually fighting with each other. Because they think different than I do, or they, they want a different style of worship, or they want a different style of, of teaching, or we have a d- different theological background, and so we start fighting with each other. And it's almost like we're competing, like these plants, for the same nutrients. And it's actually in the time that we're scattered, that we're being prepared for an even greater harvest, where we're actually going to see fruitfulness come. It's actually going to uh, be that we're more productive. You see, in Acts, in the verse we just read, it said that the that persecution scattered the believers, but they didn't let that limit their preaching of the good news, their preaching of the resurrection. Instead, they continued to preach wherever they went. When we are scattered, we preach. As believers, as followers of Jesus, that is our call. That is the mandate on our life. When we are scattered, we preach. When we're quarantined, we preach. Whether we have a building to gather in on Sunday morning or not, we preach. Because we don't stop being the church. You see, when it comes to the resurrection... uh, We read last week, we read the resurrection story... And the disciples discovering that the tomb was empty. And if you're, gonna, if you'll turn with me this morning to Mark chapter 16, we're going to start reading at verse nine. Last week we read out of the the book of John. This morning we're going to look at uh, Mark and Matthew's accounts. And you see, uh, we know f- that that in the story of the disciples discovering the empty tomb. We know that Mary was there first, and then that she went to go and preach to the disciples. To go share the good news. And what I'm getting at is that this this uh, concept that we read about in Acts, that the disciples were scattered and they preached, was actually set in place uh, first by Mary. That Mary saw the resurrection of Jesus. She saw the resurrected Christ. She saw the empty tomb. And she went to go tell her bro- tell her brothers. She went to go tell the disciples that uh, this was mandated by Jesus, but it was first demonstrated by Mary. And we see this in Mark chapter 16, verse 9. It says, Early on the first day of the week, after rising from the dead, Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons. After she had seen Jesus, she ran to tell his disciples, who were all emotionally devastated and weeping. Excitedly, Mary told them, He's alive and I've seen him. But even after hearing this, they didn't believe her. In, in Matthew 28, when uh, recounting the same story, This is what it says in Matthew 28, verse 10. It says, Then Jesus said to them... So after he's he's encountered Mary in the garden, this is what he says. He says, Then Jesus said to them, Throw off all your fears and go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. They will find me there. What was it that Mary had to be afraid of? Wasn't the fear all over? After all, here Jesus had died on the cross. They'd seen him crucified. They'd seen him laid in a tomb, and now she was standing and seeing the resurrected Lord. What was it that she had to be afraid of? I think in Mark 16, we get a really good glimpse of that. It says, excitedly, I'm sorry, it says, After she had seen Jesus, she ran to tell the disciples, who were all emotionally devastated and weeping. Now, I want you to picture this for a second. The disciples who'd followed Jesus for three years saw him murdered on a cross. They knew his body had been laid to rest. And now they're trying to figure out what to do with their lives after the one they had devoted themselves to is gone. Now you don't just walk into a situation like that with people grieving and say, Hey, just so you know, the person you're grieving is alive. She would have, Mary would have sounded crazy. It would have been inconvenient for the disciples. Maybe she didn't understand. Maybe she had missed something. Maybe she was uh, hallucinating. And what if she was giving them false hope? After all, they were grieving. And you don't tell a grieving person that the one that they just saw die on a cross and buried is somehow alive. What excuses do you have? How often have have you thought about sharing about Jesus but then the response is, well, they might think I'm crazy. It might inconvenience them. It might be uncomfortable. After all, sharing about Jesus is for the radicals, right? They might think I'm weird or pushy. And I wonder, in that situation, how many of those things crossed Mary's mind? After all, wouldn't it have been inconvenient, uncomfortable? She would have seemed overly excited and maybe a little weird. Did she have a reputation because she had been delivered from demons? Maybe they thought that there was something else influencing her. Maybe she was seeing, uh, you know, a hallucination. We might think, well, that would turn them off from knowing Jesus. And actually if you read the story in Mark it says that excitedly Mary told them he's alive and I've seen him but even after hearing this they didn't believe her. You see I think there's three main reasons that we choose not to share about Jesus. Number one, I think we don't share is because we don't believe. Like the disciples, when Mary told them, it says they didn't believe. And then a little bit later later in verse 13, Jesus shows up to some more disciples and they, uh, in verse 13, it says they went back to Jerusalem to tell the rest of the disciples. But they didn't believe it was true. And then, uh, then Jesus appeared in verse 14, before the 11 apostles, as they were eating a meal. And he corrected them for having such hard, unbelieving hearts. Because they did not believe those who saw him at his resurrection. You see, there's an aspect of following Jesus that requires us to believe. After all, Jesus said to his disciples after that, after he corrects them, he says... As you go into the world, preach openly the wonderful news of the gospel to the entire human race. Whoever believes the good news is baptized and will be saved. There's a direct connection between believing and being saved. So, my challenge is this. If we're not believing, then we're not actually saved. This is, this is a big deal. We need to address this quickly in our lives. If, we're, if there's an area that we're not believing, it's not just to say, well, I'm not believing and that's too bad. But it's actually recognizing and repenting. Repenting just means changing direction. Turning away from that and turning to Jesus. And if there's areas in our lives where we are not believing Him, we need to take the time to lay that down before Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm sorry that I don't believe. And then, like Thomas, have an encounter where we put our our hand on His hand. Where we put our, our hand on His side and we feel the, the truth. We experience an encounter with Jesus. I think the second reason that we don't uh, preach about Jesus, and I'm not talking preaching from a stage, I'm talking about sharing the good news of Jesus' resurrection. And every single one of you, every single one of us, every single one of you is called to preach the good news of the resurrection. In Romans chapter 8, in Romans chapter 8 verse 11, it says, The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. The same Spirit, the the resurrection Spirit of God lives in you. When you invite Jesus into your life, the Holy Spirit comes and takes residence inside of you. And I want you to know that you are called to so much more than what you're living out right now. That God has such a huge call on your life, so much bigger than what you think it is in this moment. He's calling you to more. He's calling you to share about the resurrection power that lives inside of you. Isn't that incredible? And if you think that doesn't matter, maybe it's because you don't understand the, the immensity of the calling God has on your life. It's not just to make it through. But the same resurrection power, the same victory that Jesus walked in in his resurrection, the same spirit lives in you. Number two, the second reason that we don't share about Jesus is bad theology. You see, it's become uh, a fairly common belief that, that hell maybe isn't real. that that Jesus didn't talk about it, that it's just something that's made up to scare people. See, here's the thing. Hell is real. Jesus believed in it. He talked about it. And he came and died so that nobody would ever have to experience it. Some people might ask, well, how does a good God send people to hell? And I want to tell you this. God doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose it. In fact, Jesus came and He died to lay down His body and said, over my dead body will anyone go to hell. By saying that it doesn't exist or that it's not real, it actually cheapens the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Because He paid the price so that nobody would ever have to encounter such a horrible place. It's real. He believed in it. And He did everything in His power to keep every single person from going there. After all, it says that, that God wants that none should perish, but that all would have eternal life. Now some people still choose to step over the crucified body of Jesus on that path but it's not God's will, it's not His desire for any person to experience that. You see, and so our bad theology of who God is and about the reality of, maybe the reality of heaven and hell, it affects our perspective of how we preach the gospel, how we share the resurrection power of Jesus that lives in us. We dumb down the truth, because it might be inconvenient. But I want to make it very clear. God doesn't send people to hell. He died to keep people from going there. And we need to recognize the gravity of the call on our lives to invite people into salvation, to invite people to know Jesus, to be transformed by Him and experience that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead. The third reason that I believe we often don't uh, preach the gospel is that we don't feel equipped. Now here's an interesting one, because if you look at the passages in uh, that we're, that we're looking at today of Mary discovering Jesus. Mary wasn't equipped. She had an encounter with Jesus. And I would argue that that's enough to equip her. But she would look at her situation and say, well, why would anyone listen to me? After all, I'm a woman in first century Israel. Nobody's going to believe my testimony. I don't have the training or the understanding to, to do this moment justice. But that's not what she did. Jesus said, Do not uh, throw off all fear. Do not be afraid. And so she excitedly went to the disciples and preached the good news of Jesus' resurrection. She had an encounter. This was a woman who had been possessed by seven demons who was set free by Jesus. But it was in that moment of encountering the risen Christ in the garden, she had another encounter and she ran to the disciples and excitedly told them about the encounter she had had with Jesus. You see, the difference between hype and a real encounter is that a real encounter leads to transformation. You can be at a conference and have an encounter, but if you don't leave with more boldness, you maybe haven't encountered the resurrected Christ if it doesn't result in the transformation in your life, maybe you haven't encountered the resurrected Jesus. So was Mary equipped? I would argue that she was because of the encounter she had with Jesus. And I would say even that, that for you to be equipped, it's not a seminary degree or a Bible school education but it's an encounter with the risen Christ. So how do we change? How do we move in boldness and stop being afraid? How do we uh, take the next step in sharing Jesus with the world? How do we follow Mary's example and and Jesus' command in Mark? Number one, we need to have an encounter. We need to meet Jesus, we need to encounter the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it says, If imperfect parents, this is Jesus speaking, if imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more will the perfect Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when His children ask Him? You see, if you would like to encounter the Holy Spirit, All it takes is asking. If you want to have an encounter with Jesus, ask Him. He will meet you. Maybe it won't look like what you think it should look like, but I guarantee you He will meet you because that's His promise in this verse. That when we ask, the Father will give us the fullness of the Holy Spirit. But we need to have an encounter, a real, genuine encounter with Jesus. Not one that's all hype. And that's one of the great things about the season that we're in right now. There's no hype. It's very hard to get hyped in your living room. But you can have a real, genuine encounter with Jesus, just by asking. By saying, Jesus, come and meet with me today. And then taking time and just being quiet in His presence. Allowing Him to speak to you. Reading His Word. Spending time in worship. You can have a real, genuine encounter with Jesus. Right now, during this time, and I want to put out a, a very practical uh, challenge to you this week. What is your testimony? You see, because preaching the gospel isn't about uh, knowing all the answers or having all the best theology, those things are important, but that's not what it means to preach the gospel. Like Mary's situation, it means sharing your experience and your encounter with Jesus. With, you share your encounter that you've had with Jesus with those around you. So what is your testimony? How has Jesus encountered you? Now, my challenge for you this week is to take some time, set it aside, and sit down and actually write out your testimony. Write out what God has done in your life. Write out how Jesus has saved you, how he's met with you. Maybe it's in overcoming anxiety. Maybe it's in His provision in your life. Maybe it's in finding joy. Maybe it's deliverance. But write out your testimony because that is where there is power to share. You share from what you've encountered of Jesus. So encounter Him and then write out that testimony so that you can share it with people. Number two, the second thing we can do when we're afraid and when we when we don't know how to move forward with sharing the, the good news of Jesus. And I think this is possibly the hardest one. It's do what Jesus did. You might say, well, but I'm scared. How do I stop being scared? The first thing is that we need to understand is that we all live in a comfort zone. And the longer you stay in your comfort zone, the smaller your comfort zone becomes. It shrinks. Comfort zones shrink. You know, one day you're traveling the world, backpacking, adventuring, sleeping who knows where. You don't know where your next meal is going to come from. And a few years later, you know, you travel, but you only go to all-inclusive resorts where all the food is provided and the beds are comfortable. And then a few more years pass and you think, you know, it's its not really very safe for me to be traveling anymore. Maybe I'll just do a holiday at home. Or I'll just explore Canada. Or I'll buy an RV and, you know, travel in, in comfort. See, comfort zones shrink. They become smaller and smaller. What was once comfortable, as it, as it shrinks, what was once a, a place where you, you, you were like, yeah, that's an adventure, that's awesome, now becomes something that's, uh, oh, that's not really comfortable for me anymore. You know, it's it's not so comfortable to be outside of my own bed, outside of my home. Comfort zones shrink the longer we stay in them. And the longer you stay in your comfort zone, the longer, or the, the, the smaller it will become. The only way to stretch your comfort zone is to step outside of it. See, as you step outside of it, your comfort zone grows. As you do something that, uh, to, that looks uncomfortable, that becomes your new comfort zone tomorrow. As you take a risk, as you uh, go on an adventure, it expands your comfort zone. So the only way to get past fear is to just go do it. There's no easy way around it. There's not a 10-step process to getting over that fear. It's just go and do it. And I guarantee you that once you've done it, you'll look back and say, boy, that was scary, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. And that will become your new comfort zone. And you keep pushing that out and out and out. Remember, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. And you are made for so much more than the comfort that you've surrounded yourself with. This process also takes us to to choose to repent, to turn away from where we've partnered with apathy and comfort, and to do something different, to actually live out the commands of Jesus, not just to read about them and say, oh, that was a good word. You have such a huge call on your life. And that's why you need the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit in you. Dunamis is where we get our word dynamite from. The explosive power of the Holy Spirit in you. The same spirit that brought Jesus back from the dead, that resurrection spirit. And number three, the third way to to go from uh, apathy to advancing the kingdom of God, to moving towards preaching, to sharing your testimony. The third thing you can do is pray for boldness. In Acts chapter 4, it says that the, the uh, Peter had been taken captive and uh, the Acts church gathered together to pray. It says the be- believers prayed for boldness in the face of the trial that they were facing. And in Acts chapter 4, says, as they prayed, remember they're praying for boldness, as they prayed, the place where they, were shaking, where they were praying was shaken. And it says that as they prayed, the place where they were praying was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then it continues on talking about how they, they move forward in boldness. See, when the Holy Spirit comes, when you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, it leads to more boldness. It leads to stepping out of your comfort zone with boldness and confidence and courage. So number three, pray for boldness. Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you so that you're not afraid, so that you can step out of your fear with boldness. And number four, Don't just sit and say, oh that was a good message, turn it off and go about your day. Do something about it. Write your testimony. Have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Do what Jesus did. Pray for boldness. Don't be content with apathy just to sit and say, oh that was a great message, that was encouraging. But take this week and choose to make some changes. Where you need to repent, repent. Jesus is quick to forgive and to meet you there. But do something about it. Church, scattered seeds bring a greater harvest. And in this time as we've been scattered, I believe we're looking to see an even greater harvest. That there's potential, but we need to actually do something about it. It's not just going to happen. It's not just going to come about on its own. It's going to take us awakening, us moving in repentance and choosing to ask for forgiveness where where we've allowed apathy and comfort to take root in our lives. It's going to take us having an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it's going to take us stepping out of our comfort zone in boldness. And I want to say to you this morning, if you're joining us Maybe for the first time. Maybe this is your first experience of church. It's online and it's a bit different. But I want to let you know that Jesus wants to meet with you. He wants to encounter you. He wants to bring the resurrection power that we've been talking about into your life today. He died to free you from the power of the enemy. To free you from the power of hell. That no one would ever have to go there. He desires relationship with you. He wants to live life with you. He wants to do life with you. He wants to fill you with joy and peace and hope. And all it takes is you saying, Jesus, I surrender. I give you my life. I turn away from my old life and I accept the resurrection power that you want to put in your life to set me free. Right now I believe he's highlighting some things in your life. For you just to hand over to Him. Maybe it's addictions. Maybe it's uh, thought patterns. But He wants to set you free from those this morning. And all it takes is you saying, Jesus, bring your resurrection power. Come and meet with me. Come be Lord of my life. I want to meet with you. I want to encounter you. And He'll do it. We're going to pray in just a minute here. me, and We're just going to invite Jesus into our lives to come and be Lord. But I want to close with this. Why would we go back to normal? I heard somebody say this recently in an interview I was listening to. Why would we go back to normal when normal wasn't working for us? Yes, normal was comfortable. It made us feel good. But were we actually advancing the kingdom of God with the normal? God is working just as much in this time as he was two months ago and as he will be in the future. God is is still working now just as much as any time throughout human history. And resurrection power is just as available today as it was the day Mary met Jesus in the garden maybe the only difference is that He's finally starting to get our attention and we're starting to wake up. To recognize that maybe what we were doing wasn't working and that He's calling us to something so much bigger that there's a greater call on our lives. Some of you think that you need to go on a missions trip to see God move. You need to go to another country because people are open to Jesus there. We don't that's that's a great thing to go somewhere and do that. But we don't need a missions trip to see God work because he's working right here on this island. We just need to choose to live our lives on mission. We need to choose to live like Jesus so that we can make him famous. Let's pray together. If this morning you uh would like to give your heart to Jesus. I'm just going to lead you in a prayer this morning. Just a a prayer of surrender. Just handing your life over to Him. And just allowing Him to come and meet with you. So Jesus, I thank you for this day. And I thank you for the, the hearts that you're touching right now. Thank you that you've been chasing after them and pursuing them all of their lives. And you have such an incredible call on their lives. Jesus, right now, you can just pray this with me. Jesus, right now, I just surrender to you. I'm choosing to stop running away from you and to run towards you instead. I change directions. And I'm sorry for all the wrong choices I've made. Come and wash those clean. Wipe the slate clean. And come be Lord of my life right now. Thank you for your forgiveness, and for your grace to me. In Jesus' name, Amen. I just want to pray over uh, all of us together as we seek to put this word into practice this week. Jesus, I just thank you for each person right now, wherever they are, as they seek to put this into practice to impact our community to serve you better. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just fill each house right now with your presence, that each house would be shaken, and that we would step out in boldness, that we would move ahead to do what you have asked us to do, without fear. We're sorry for any time we've chosen comfort and apathy. instead of the calling that you've put on our lives. We thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. I hope this has been a blessing for you. I hope it's encouraged you. But more than that, I hope that it has challenged you to step out and to move forward as a church. If you want to join us this morning in giving, you can do that uh, through the links or there will be a, a button in the chat. Uh, we also... Let us know how... What, what about this message impacted you in the chat? Um, let us know what you're challenged with, what you're wanting to move forward with. And let us know also how we can pray for you. You can do that in the live chat feature or in the regular chat with everyone. Uh, we'd love to be praying for you during this time. And... Uh, yeah, bless you guys. Have an awesome week.